who's there? Not Chris at the NBL Awards, but we'll get to that in a second. It is the Has Been Hoops podcast. Chris, we're recording this in the middle of the NBL Awards night. Um, just, just for the casual listener, how many MVPs did you win? <laughs> well, two. Okay, and where is the awards night held tonight? I actually don't know. I, I didn't. Is it? I didn't get invited again. I assume. Yeah, no, there I don't think it might be Melbourne. Yeah. Um, so right. if you don't get invited to awards nights, we record podcasts instead. And um, yeah, well, I'm we, pretty happy we, with we, that, you know, that being. Well, we, you know what? I did, I, did, I did message you before we started this. I said, do you want to wait till the end of the awards night? And as I said it, um, Jack Heaven got Alexander Saar and uh, Bobby Clintman up on stage. And the first thing he did was make a tall joke. And we covered this off, I think it was last week or the week before, and I thought if you're an MC at a professional basketball league's most valuable or most valuable player awards night, you'd reckon you'd steer clear of tall jokes. Like Andrew Bogut said, they're worse than small talk. So to do it in front of a room of basketball players, I'm not quite sure he's hit the mark on that one. So might just want to work on his material for next year's. Anyway. I think so. Hey, did you know you're a revolutionary? You're a pioneer. She's <laughs> um, <Jeez>, okay. <laughs> Radio. Um, we've got Scotty Pippen, Horace Grant, Carmelo, uh, Anthony, Isaiah Thomas, all coming to Australia or in Australia at the moment. A little side note, which I think is funny about the No Bull Tour, is that Scotty, Horace, and Luke never played on the same team together. Um, but that's besides <laughs> the point. Uh, um, You're right. But. Um, obviously, you've had a bit of success with uh, Josh, with uh, Luke, uh, with Dirk, and now we're seeing now we're seeing more uh, people come to our shores uh, to tell their stories. And I think you've played a, a pretty big part in this of being able to bring out these top tier talents to tell their stories. And now we're seeing it so much more. So, mate. Well done on that and, and what you've been able to do. And and you know what? Uh, and I'm sure you would think the same. The more people we come out, the more storytelling there is, the better for the basketball community in Australia. You know what? It, I know you're taking the piss a little bit, but it's it was something during COVID I wrote that book and I wrote on a whiteboard and it still hangs in my back room. I, I actually wrote that I want to create events that inspire, educate, impact and create humour. And before COVID, like every single sportsman's night I did was with a series of footy players and I was a token basketball player. And you go into a pub on a Friday night and you'd hear legends of the game. And I, I'm not saying this to, you know, undersell or, you know, the, the AFL, but I just thought basketball as a sport in Australia has so many incredible stories that haven't been told and aren't well known. And it's actually got really, really good storytellers. And, you know, I had this idea before COVID. I thought if you want an iconic duo through the 90s, it's got to be Andrew Gaze and Leonard Copeland. So we actually had them down at the Sporting Globe in Mordialic and we just did this little tiny thing on Facebook and invited anyone who wanted to turn up. I think we charged $65 for a pot, Palmer and this 
basketball night. And it sold out so fast. I remember sitting in the back of the room and we had 90s video highlights going the whole night. And I was just smiling because it looked good. And I thought, yeah, I think the basketball community wants to hear more of these types of stories. And, you know, I, I, the next call I made was to Waza Borakiti. And I said, look, Josh is about to be drafted. Let's help with his public speaking. Let's get a bit of a pre-draft thing. And your old agent, Daniel Moldovan, looks after Josh. And the only reason we didn't do it was COVID hit. And Dan said, look, I really don't want to put him in a room of 100 people two days before he gets on the airplane, which was completely fine. But we ended up doing it after his rookie year, which is when you know, he broke out. And that was incredible. And, and through that, we convinced Luke Longley to, to talk publicly for the first time and tell his story. And he was incredible. <coughs> um, probably took it to another level again when we got Dirk Nowitzki to Australia you know, to get the sixth leading scorer in NBA history, you know, one of the greatest probably one of the greatest NBA players and certainly one of the greatest non-American um, to come out and do that and prove that people, you know, geez, we, so many people just connected with him and he's such a good human, but we were close to doing another one. I say we, I mean me. Um, yeah, a couple of little things happened with, with the first couple, but, you know, then you sit back and you look and as you've described, you've got so many legends of the sport here in the country. And I think there've been a number of number of people who've looked and said, hang on, this, this is actually something people want. And it was, it's been really nice to sit back sort of all the care in the world because the Australian basketball community is getting to hear from these and, and have access to these incredible superstars. And if in some way we just got that ball rolling um, it's really, really special because the Australian basketball community deserves that. Um, I'm going to do it again, just waiting for the right time, but I've got a sneaking suspicion it might be January 2025. Well, I wasn't taking the piss because I actually think you were brilliant in what you were able to do, and I was lucky enough to watch Luke Longley uh, speak on stage and... Um, Knowing Luke on a personal level, it was quite nice to hear him talk about some of the stories that I'd been fortunate enough to hear around the, the boomers table and, and go into depth with a little bit more. And um, um, the more we can get out, the better. Mate, I did say, and we've got a few other points that I'll hit at the end of this podcast. I do want to update the NBL Awards night as it's happening. And so... This is what I can tell you right now, Ian Clark. This is this is our first live podcast. Which this is our first live podcast, which will be heard about four days after the awards. This is fantastic. Takes a little bit for these things to get on air. Yeah, uh, Ian Clark. Yeah, but Ian Clark wants his six man. The the other finalists was Sean McDonald and Will Magnay, both from Tasmania. Like I'd suggest that one would be the seventh man, not the sixth man, but. <laughs> what would I know? Um, so Ian Clark wins best six man. Sean McDonald wins most improved player, which I love. Um, I think it was between him and, well, I can tell you, it was between him, Jalen Galloway and Terrell Harrison, uh, who I know you're a big rap for. I was a massive rap for Jalen Galloway, but 
And I'd love that Shawnee Mack won it. I think that was well-deserved because he's been exceptional this year for Tassie. Uh, yeah, Shane Hilly, yeah, yeah, defensive player of the year. Go ahead. Chibi, no, and I was just going to throw a little anecdotal Sean McDonald. He was someone that both Melbourne clubs had no interest in. Um, I had him on one of my under-18 state teams and two, both of my under-20s, and I just thought he was the absolute rock of those teams. He was the one guy who could absolutely depend on, shot the ball well, made great decisions, was deceptively quick, and because he wasn't that inverted commas elite athlete, I think a few teams passed on him. So it almost fit the Jack Jumpers mould where they wanted someone with a bit of the, yeah, they want players with a chip on their shoulder. So to see Sean shooting the ball like he is actually doesn't surprise me one little bit. But to see that swagger he added under 18s and under 20 now beginning to emerge in that level of confidence, I think he can play at any level. Um, no, I'm, I'm wrapped for him and I think that one's really well deserved. Someone who you've also had a little bit to do with, Shay Yelly, wins his first ever Defensive Player of the Year award. Um, that shocked me that it's his first because I feel like... That's his first? He's, yeah, it's the first really? time he's won it. And I feel like he's been the premier wow. premier defender in the league the last four to five years. Who um, won it last year? Couldn't tell you, don't care, but I know it's yeah, the yeah. first time. He, it's funny won. because cause he got up on stage and... You know, we spoke a lot about Damien Martin um, after he retired on this pod, but Damo got up and spoke, and as Shay got up, here's me in my head thinking, you know, Shay must be catching him. So he's, uh, I just assumed, I mean, Shay's been the best defender in the league at least three or four times. Yeah. For that to be his first awards, a travesty. Hmm. While we keep uh, going with the people that Chris Anstey knows, Sam Froling wins the next gen, the, the newest <laughs> member of the Taranaki Airs, Sam Froling. Um, As he should. And since the takeover from Tatum, he's been exceptional for the Illawarra Hawks and instrumental in their turnaround. And they throw a lot of faith in him being able to throw the ball into him in the post a lot. Um, so really happy for Sam. Anything to add on Sam? No, you you described the, the style of play the last few weeks and um, I think he was great before Tatum took over as well. Um, again, one of Sean McDonald's teammates in the under-19 Australian national team and two of the premier players uh, that we had going through that age group. So to see them go through together and both be successful is great. So, yeah, both really good human beings too. But for Sam, it's... Uh, I was actually really surprised that he wasn't nominated for a couple of the other awards. But, um, and sorry, I was surprised he missed out on the Boomer Squad that's going to Bendigo. And it was something I, you know, you type something, you delete it, you type something, you delete it. I thought, we'll wait until we get onto this. But the Boomer's playing Bendigo. And the fact that Sam Froling missed that team to qualify for the Olympics. And, you know, for me, I think he's as close to a fringe or as close to a fringe broom as you've got. You've got Nick Kay in the team. You've got Geordie Hunter made it. Rocco Zakarski, I get why you pick. And I know it's not all numerical based, but I just went and had a quick look at Geordie Hunter's stats and then I remembered that the Sydney Kings have been a pile of shit this year. Geordie Hunter's stats have nothing compared to Sam Frolings and Sam's been winning 
I, I don't know what you're – and Sam's younger, I believe. Um, what I, I don't know what I'm missing, that Sam Froling should be a boomer and this is part of the whole Taranaki Airs thing is that we didn't recruit him because of money. We didn't recruit him because of anything other than the fact we, we want to see him do things he hasn't been allowed to do yet and we know he can do and hasn't demonstrated and I can't wait to see what he's able to do that we haven't seen yet. And I hope I hope that Sammy McKinnon's able to bring that out of him because I just think he should be a boomer. Just quickly, the last thing we can touch on that is live while we're doing this is the first and second team All-NBL. So first team, Bryce Cotton, Chris Golding, Parker Jackson-Cartwright, Anthony Lamb and Gary Clark. While the second team is Jack McVeigh, Joe Luella Chul, Milton Doyle, Mitch Creek, and Nathan Sobey. Without having the entire league in front of me, that seems close. Do you, I, think, I, I can't... do you think Joe Luella Chul did enough to get second team? Yeah, I do. I do. Um, I, I think when he's going, he's dominant, and I think he, inverted commas, suffers from being on the Melbourne United on a Melbourne United team that's so deep that he does revert to others at other times. And when you're playing with Chris Golding, who can have who has his moments clearly, uh, you, you know, the, the, the Delhi has his time. Uh, I, I just think that even on that, with a team as talented as that, he's still, he's still been a standard. I, I trying to think really quickly before I say this, I think he's the best center in the league. And you're talking Will Magna, you're talking Alexander Saar, you're talking Sam Froling, you're talking... I, I think right now, today, Joe Luella Chul's the best centre in the NBL. There we go. Did you get to a couple of games on the weekend, mate? Yeah, yeah I did. Well, one and a half. Um, gee, the Phoenix are bad. I mean... I... I I bet on the NBL. I enjoyed doing it, and I think I'm allowed to. If I'm not, it was a dollar each way. Um, but <laughs> but you're walking into the game, and the Sydney Kings are playing for their lives, and and the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix have all the injuries sitting there next to Eric Hollingsworth, and um, you just you just know going in, it's going to be a blowout. I didn't expect it to be fifty. But you're looking at it and you think, geez, you can get seven and a half points here. Like, okay, that's might be worth 50 cents each way. And um, so you sit and you're watching, you might as well go and line up for your ticket at halfway through the first quarter. But um, it was a fun game insofar as you know, the Boston Celtics and the Chicago Bulls uh, had scouts in town. We got to sit with them and go for dinner and sort of reconnect from the tour, reconnect from Bulls days, tell some stories. That that was the most fun of that night, not the game. But, I, I, but I'll tell you what, actually, just to go back to the game. Um, DJ Hogue might have needed that game. And I, I, I know it was against the bad team. His touch looked good. His balance looked good. And I've, I've always just had in the back of my mind that the Kings are the one team that just on talent and just on one or two plays individually beating you on any given night, it's probably them. And if DJ Hoke shoots a ball like that and Jalen Adams 
goes how we know we can go, they can still beat some teams. Um, not sure whether they will, but they can. Um, then, you know, going and watching Melbourne United play, and then they beat New Zealand. The undermanned nature of the New Zealand team, I know they went and won since, but it just reiterated to me how far ahead of the chasing pack United are when they got a full roster. So I uh, got to see both Melbourne teams, the Phoenix end of their year, United have sort of slipped back in the third gear. They've rested their guys. I thought it was really, it was a nice touch to start Brad Newley to get him the first basket of the game and then to go and sit him as they prepared for the playoffs. But um, just complete opposite ends of the spectrums with the two games I watched in Melbourne. I think it was a nice tune-up game for Melbourne. Obviously, with a three-week break now, pretty much, well, however long the break is, for this fever break to happen. But uh, I thought Melbourne United looked really sharp versus a very good Illawarra team that's been playing good basketball. Um, and my biggest loser out of the weekend is not the Brisbane Bullets who missed out on the finals, but it is New Zealand with it looking like that... Will McDowell White might be out for the rest of the season now as well with that shoulder, just as he'd started to get to that form that we, I mean, I love watching Will McDowell White play. He's he's such a, he makes the game look very slow. He's one of those he's guys that, that. He's a throwback guy. Absolutely. He's, he's a throwback guy. I, I agree. He's, he's one of the integral cogs that, yeah, another piece out alongside Anthony Lamb. Yeah, look, we've spoken enough about the Breakers and what we think of their style of coaching and all that sort of thing. I just think that's another nail in their coffin. I'm actually surprised they got this far, even with the talent they have. But I can't see it going much further. See, I was the opposite. Uh, I know you talked were. about. I was really high on them because I thought once they could all get it together, if they had Lamb and they had... Um, Will McDowell-White, I would argue that they would be in the grand final versus Melbourne. Um, I, no, on paper with that talent. The, yeah. It's the same conversation as Sydney, I think. They're, they've certainly got the talent. But I would probably say that Sydney and New Zealand have both got two guys that probably can only get those that talent in the third and fourth gear, not fifth gear, which is required to win a championship. Um, I'm worried about Perth. They... They've, they've limped into the finals yeah. and you never know what sort of workload they're on. I think Bryce resting that second game was a smart decision. I don't understand why they played Doolittle if his arm was in a sling versus Illawarra after the game to him playing two days later. That baffles me, but um, they would want to find something in this little fever break. Uh, otherwise... Uh, one of these teams are going to come in and stomp on them, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I'm not worried about the arm in a sling thing. I mean, the way medical staff treat players now, you put them in a moon boot if they step wrong off a step. I mean, it, it's... Shout out to Julius Hodge and his sling that we had to watch for half a season and play. Let, let, let's, let's tell that story one day. Um, I'll put that in the, 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 the podcast notes for the off-season. Um, but no, look, it's... I, I watched that scream, that, or I watched the hit on Doolittle. And you've seen enough basketball with ankles and knees and hits and for the life of me. And I went back and I actually went back and rewound and I'm like, what happened? No, nothing happened. 
and you can put it's it just in a, a good sling screen. Or, you can put it in a sling all you want. It doesn't mean it popped out. It might just mean it's sore and it's precautionary and all. So that didn't bother me too much. And clearly, if he played, the medical staff know what they're doing. And if he played, when they tend to err on the side of caution, he must have been absolutely okay because they wouldn't have put him out there otherwise. Yeah, hey, I, I, I want to change tact. Yeah, um, and I should have probably asked this, but I didn't have my notes up. Um, I sat with uh, with Luke Kendall um, in the box and we had a conversation at the end of the United game and it, it became a conversation of the Phoenix game as well where United were up, and I should have kept notes, but I don't. They're up 15-odd with seven minutes to go. And we, we had this continual conversation about at what stage, you know, how many do you have to be up and how long does have, there have to be in the game before you go to your bench? And I'm going to ask you in a second, but my mindset went to you're up 17 or 14 or whatever, 15, whatever it is, and there's seven minutes to go. And I'm thinking... If I'm a starter in that situation, I've been in that situation before, I'm going to cruise. The game is done, I'm going to cruise. So as a coach, knowing that your starters might do that, I'm thinking go to your bench early. But when you take your starters out, you're in there, you're going, hey, if this thing gets to 10, you're back in, don't switch off. So it does two things. It allows your starters to rest more if needed, but it also allows your bench guys more minutes and probably a higher level of intensity than what you would have got. So what happened with the United game, the starters switched off and New Zealand started coming back. So then it was too late to bring your bench in and they never could because it got down into single figures. And then the same thing happened with what really happened with the Kings and the Phoenix. I'm looking down the bench and his name escapes me. The, um, Sam Timmons from, you know, he's, he's a big New Zealand kid and then you got Angus Glover. I mean, they're up 50 and you've got two guys nailed to the end of the bench. You're thinking, what What am I missing? You know, surely you want to get minutes in the guys. The, the difference between 40 and 50, even in a worst-case scenario, is not going to affect your percentage because you're sliding in to that playing spot. So that's a very, very long-winded question to ask you. How do you treat that as a coach? when it comes to getting your bench in and getting a minutes at the end of the game in garbage time, as opposed to keeping your starters rolling to ensure you win. Yeah. Look, if you're uh, Timmons and Glover, you'd be pretty gutted. <laughs> you can't get any court time when you're winning by 55 points. Oh, hang on. Timmons got, two, t- Timmons got two minutes. Right. I can only yeah, assume Angus was injured. He, he dropped both. Look, if you're... Ball. Well done. Um, if you uh, if you're up thirty at any stage in the fourth quarter, I reckon you could rest your starters. And the only if we're talking Sydney specific, the only person I might want to keep out there would be DJ Hogue if he's having a good game, just to continue to build his confidence. And if he wasn't having a good game, you know, try and get him the ball and as many shots as possible you could in the fourth quarter. I also believe it's where you're playing. Um, I was always very vocal that you wanted to be up by more than 12 points with two minutes to go when you're playing at Perth because you never knew what could, like one chain reaction could set it off and, and 
and bad things could happen in Perth. And I always had that belief that we needed to be up 12 with two minutes to go regardless. Um, so, 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 so that's Perth. Let, let's say... So, so that's Perth. Keep going. You so for everywhere so. else. Five, five, five minutes to go. Let, let's Forever. put five minutes on the clock in the fourth quarter. How, how many do you I, need to be up? I would, I would say... 15? I'd say 15 plus, yeah. 15 with five, you're probably looking at about 12, 12 or more with about three minutes to go, I'd say. And that's sort of the be the switch off time. But every coach is different. Um, look, you, you speak about Sydney's coach. I don't believe he can coach. Uh, I'm dead set on it. Uh, he, he, he does yeah, not have the buy-in from his playing group. And so, you know, I think he can do anything right now, and I'll probably say it's wrong, <laughs> to tell you the truth, because uh, they're not playing yeah, the that, level that they need to be. That, that playing group's going to get – you can almost – I can guess they've gotten together before this last game probably without the coaching staff and that they've bought in as a playing group. Mm. Regardless mm. of what gets said, I think they're going to compete. Mm. Um, I want to talk about Newley and – Tom Abercrombie, two guys that have been around for a long, long period of time. Tom, arguably the greatest New Zealand breaker of all time, maybe not in, not like, but he's been there for the long haul and been there through a lot. Some of their stars, Kiwi stars, Kirk Penny went to Illawarra for a while and played over in Europe. Uh, the, so Okay, so longevity playing in for the breakers in New Zealand is what you're talking about. Correct. Correct. Okay. So I, I, I'm not saying he's the best New Zealand breaker of all time, but I would argue he's one of the greatest breakers, if not the greatest breaker of all time, for what he's been through with the club as a one club person. And then Brad Newley, um, who plied his trade in, in Europe for a good period of time, but was awesome with the uh, Townsville Crocodiles as a rookie in his younger years. And, um, played some time in Sydney and now Melbourne United. Uh, two guys that have had really, really awesome basketball careers. Um, anything that you want to say on either one? I'll let no, you go first. No, you, I yeah, I was gonna say, no you keep talking, but I, I did a little thing for Brad. Um, you know, got to play with him at the Beijing Olympics, we did, and um, I, I didn't have that much interaction with him, but you know, I've known Ian Stacker for a long time and, and Stacks and him have a really close relationship. So I've always gotten his version. And, you know, Brad Newley, as a as a junior representing the country, um, go, I, I think what he was able to do in Europe has been understated. It's a tough thing to go and succeed over there, over there and Brad did. Um, to representing the Boomers, his... What I hope in moments like this is that people go and actually use the internet for good and go and Google Brad Newley career and find highlights from years ago and maybe have a greater appreciation than than what you might now because if you just started following the game in the last four or five years, you don't really know what Brad did in the first 10 years. So go and do that. Tom Abercrombie the same and, you know, your caveat with playing for the break is, yeah, maybe. 
Um, but it's actually been really interesting. I sat down and, and had lunch with Dylan Boucher um, a, a year and a half or so ago. And we got to talking yeah, we got to talking about New Zealand basketball and culture and all these different kinds of things. And when you're an athlete and you're going through it, you probably you, you get a lot more tunnel vision than what you do when you get out. And even things like the Harker and New Zealand, and this was all on the premise of buying the team. But my appreciation for New Zealand basketball is probably greater now than when I played against Tom and played against Kirk and played against Dylan and played against Mika and played against Perro. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Tom Abercrombie, I will, I, I have done, not will do. I have done exactly that. But I've gone back and watched as much as I can find on him, and you know he's been ornamental for a New Zealand National Basketball League team playing in the Australian National Basketball League and becoming successful. You know, so congratulations to both. Go and Google them. Go and look up their highlights and. Sit back and enjoy, but but you please add more than that because you're closer to their age than what I am. Yeah, thank you for calling yourself old. I appreciate that. Um, hey, I've got gout in my foot as I sit here right now. I I feel older than what I actually am. So Brad Newley is still the only Australian basketball player that has a car named after him. When he was playing in Grand Canaria, they bought out a car called the Brad Newley. Um, Did they really? That, yeah. True, true story. Um, you can Google that. And um, I'd so love to know the. I'd so love to know the features of this car. Like it was a little hatchback. Could it could it change <laughs> directions quickly? Could it? How did it go? How many people did you fit in it at one time? Uh, probably so. two, two and a half. <laughs> um, but Newell's as a teammate over the years with the Boomers. Um, Newell's was just a, a bloke's bloke. Um, he wore his heart on his sleeve more than anyone else. Uh, and it's been unbelievable to watch his transformation from this guy that was just a scoring machine as a rookie and found ways to score to now changing his way to being a backup foreman for a championship team and probably just being there for his teammates. And the one thing that Melbourne United has done is found people that fit that role really nicely for their team, whether that be David Barlow now, now Newell's. Um, but uh, I remember a couple of years back now, and I went to a night, and Newell's just looked at me and just said, "I can't believe you're not playing anymore." And I looked at him and said, "I can't believe you're still playing." <laughs> and and uh, he said, you know, you could still play. And I said, you know, you can retire at any stage. But it was just the different outlooks that we both had on basketball at that stage. And because he loves his hoops more than anything uh, outside of his family, uh, that's what's kept him in the game. And more, yeah, kudos to him to be able to stay the long haul and, and do whatever, he, whatever he's been able, what he's been able to do. With Tom, obviously, I, I haven't got to know Tom as much, but obviously we played against him for a long period of time. And my memories of Tom are more so when he had dominant players around him, he was the absolute X factor for some of those championships. So he won the Larry Senstock medal, one of those uh, finals appearances. And um, he's just someone who's just 
year in, year out, he's just been dependable. He's been dependable for the breakers uh, off the court. He's been dependable for the breakers on the court in, in the way that he plays. He's never been the high-volume uh, shot guy. He's always been a reliable defender for him and um, probably been a bit unlucky with injury throughout the years, but uh, to be able to play that length of period, uh, congratulations to him. Mate, that's enough about the NBL Unless you want to add anything more about that, no, 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 no. I think that's it. We'd, we'll we'll talk. We'll, they've got the FIBA window coming up now, yep. so the, we'll, we'll get everything out of the way there, and we'll, we'll hit that back when they uh, they get to the playing games. So All Star Game, All Star Weekend has Your... just wrapped up. Um, it's for so those. Bad. Um, all right. So can bad. I can can Isn't I that... tell you? Can I tell you the best thing about All-Star Saturday? So that has the skills challenge, that had the three-point Stephen contest. Sabrina. Easily. Easily the best thing. A million miles. And why hey, bang on. that? It also, it also demeaned Damien Lillard winning the three-point contest because Steph did better than him. And then it also gave props to Sabrina because she tied Damien Lillard for what would have Great. been the championship. So... Why have a three-point competition in the first place? <laughs> so so I, I actually thought a lot about this. And A, I hope they do it again. But even more so, I hope they extend it. Um, Kenny Smith's a dick. For a like, the, the way he commented in the moments after that competition were the exact... It reflects the exact reason that people are held back. It was so fucking ignorant. Like, he's lost me with everything that he said and the excuses he gave after that, horrible. And I shouldn't have probably mentioned it because now people are going to listen to it. But if you want to go and listen, you'll realise how well, we it. Just give it. Just give us a quick rundown of what he said. It, well, he, he, came, he came out and said that, to be fair, he, Sabrina should have shot from the women's line. She should have... You know, she was using a smaller ball. She he wanted it to be handicapped, you know, to, to make it fairer for the girls. And that she should she wouldn't have ordinarily beaten Dame Willard and the guys. And in the moment that Steph's hugging Sabrina and showing all the respect in the world for for something that's been done historically for the first time, and I hope he's grown upon, this idiot's in the background giving reasons and excuses and caveats. Go away. Literally go away. Um, I hope that whether it's Caitlin Clark and or a whole bunch of others join this thing next year and it becomes NBA and WNBA. I hope that... Uh, see, I'd love to see the, the three-point contest be like a knockout tournament. Two players compete, there's a winner, and they go to the next round. Two, well, three, it used to be round. like that. It used to be like that. And it was I so hope much that, more entertaining. And I hope it goes back and I hope they mix in the males and the females. And I, and I hope we see that. No, use the, use the basketball you play with. Would you expect Steph to shoot with a size six? No. Would you expect Sabrina to shoot with a size seven? No. Shoot with the ball you shoot with, shoot from wherever the hell you like, and let's make this a knockout time. That was a highlight of the weekend for me. 
Um, I, I wanted to see more. I want to see more WNBA players join it. I want to see more interaction between the two leagues. Um, and I think even going further, I'd love to see that become part of the NBL, WNBL moving forward. But um, no, that was the absolute highlight. The dunk contest was a pile of shit. The guys was just a, the game itself was horrible. Can I can uh, I get a, can I get a vent about Saturday first? Please. All right, so we have a skills challenge. Oh, um, fuck. The skills challenge had uh, the All-Stars, which was uh, Trey Young, it was Anthony Edwards, and it was Scotty Barnes versus Indiana, uh, Halliburton, uh, uh, Benedict Matherin, and uh, uh, Miles Turner versus the number one draft picks, which was um, bloody... Uh, Victor Webanyama and two other people. Can't. Scotty Barnes <laughs> dribbled it out of bounds during the dribble proportion portion of the skills challenge. Like, tell me you couldn't give a fuck more than those nine blokes that did it. Maybe Vic was the only person that but, took it somewhat but it's such seriously. A bad, it's such a bad contest anyway. I mean, what, what's was, the point? Like they, they, they need to just nix the whole skills challenge. The duck comp, to be fair, I didn't mind. <laughs> I didn't mind Mac McClung. I didn't I'm... mind Toppen, and I didn't mind. Um, uh, Jalen Brown's dunks were stupid, and he was getting but, high scores. Yeah. I'm, you don't want and I, I like say stupid. I it, wish I could do it. So, so, so here's so here's the thing I was thinking. It's, I mean, let's say let's flick this to me. Here, the, the best analogy I could come up with with the dunk contest was, let's say you go to watch, let's say you go to a concert. Would you rather see Bruce Springsteen at whatever age he is now, if he's off key? And he's not quite as good. Or would you rather go to someone with an incredible voice that you don't know who it is, but it's not the same? Or I think everyone's going to go and see Bruce Springsteen. So the Jalen Brown part of the dunk contest, I understand because you want to be in the presence of great players. You don't want them to take the piss. But I couldn't help but watching Matt McClung and seeing Brett Rainbow. I mean, if you're going to be in the dunk contest, be in the league. Like, it can't be a token thing. So you kind of hope that players... See, I don't, mind that, go- I, I don't mind that they brought him back since he won last year. And he was playing sure. for Philly last year. So was I he, think he deserved... Was he? he for, for, was he? For a little bit. But um, <laughs> to answer your question, yes, I'd rather shit in my own hand and clap than watch that rubbish that we saw. And the best thing, sorry... The best thing about the All-Star Weekend was Deadlift Shrimp's team of G-Leaguers and all that uh, knocking off Victor Webb and Yama's team and then playing yeah. their asses off. Like, kudos yeah, to yeah, those I guys. Yeah, but I didn't watch. You, you, know, you know what they need to do? And there have been a bunch of ideas go around and I'll go. I'll, I'll reference Sam Vecini again, but go and listen to his pod about the ideas around the NBA. And he had different, like, whoever was on his pod, you know, once the, once the teams are picked, you know, splitting them in half, youngest versus oldest, 
splitting them in, you know, world versus America, whatever it is to make you competitive because that was a joke. But get rid of the skills challenge and play like a game of king of, king of the court or play a one-on-one knockout tournament with the guys that are already there and see what that will – I'd watch that. One-on-one but, carriage battle. There you go. Put them in a cage and put the cage like two foot outside the key. Actually, there you go. A one-on-one cage battle, you know, in the little shooting bays at Hoop City have done. And, and then uh, in three years' time, do a cross-promotion with WWE and make it a, a massive Royal Rumble. Mate, um, moving off, and just for the record, the All-Star game was 211 to 180-something. It was worse than the Sydney-Phoenix game. It's not even worth mentioning. Um <laughs> I'm going to take a big old bite of humble pie right now, Chris. Okay. The Los Angeles Clippers. Right. Me too. Uh, the top seed. Yep. Well, they the were. They were. They were. For they're, they're, they're two games. As we wrote the notes, they were the top seed. Um, the Clippers are one of the best teams in basketball now. And I did not see this coming from... The games that they lost to us, shitting on James Harden. I still sort of want to shit on James Harden, if I'm totally honest. But Kawhi Leonard's been unbelievable in the stretch. And uh, the Clippers are playing good basketball. They're, they're the team that... Oh, yeah. they, they snuck up after the horrible start they had after the trade. Um, Kawhi Leonard's not going to be the most valuable player in the league, but... He's in the conversation. And, you know, again, as we wrote the notes, so please don't fact check this because it was a few games ago, but Kawhi Leonard, over a course of 30 games, the Clippers were 25 and 5. He was 27 points a game, shooting at 57% from the field. He was 51% from three, and he was 92% from the free throw line. And you know he defends. And, and, and the biggest thing about that, and I found myself watching a lot of the games, he's moving better than he probably has in three or four years. So if that was him all season long, he, he is in that conversation. But the Clippers are a scary proposition for anyone when you've got Toronto Raptors, Kawhi Leonard, with Paul George on one wing and James Harden on the other wing, with the role players they've got there, they're going to be a tough out. And I was the same. I didn't. I thought it was a train wreck. But credit to the organisation for not listening to idiots like us. Credit to James Harden for wanting to play basketball again and performing how we should. But um, I, I just think the biggest thing with the Clippers is is the Kawhi Leonard piece where he is, he is back to being... Remember a few years ago, he was the most winningest player in NBA history statistically. Yep. He's that Kawhi again, and he's proving it even with this team. So I'm fascinated to see what they do in the playoff roll around. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, do, do you see something different? I mean, is that no? No, I mean, they've definitely made me pay attention. Um, I I would have thought. They were going to be an easy um, 
one and uh, one and done in the finals. I thought they if were going to be a first If they round, got there. If they got there, but a first-round exit. But um, the style that they're playing and the fact that they've got so many interchangeable pieces, uh, whether that's a switching defense or, or whatnot, I just – yeah, it's been hard not to enjoy what the Clippers have been doing. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is the team. I mean, they're a clear second in the East. Clear. Well, four games ahead of Milwaukee, five games at, or three games ahead of Milwaukee, four ahead of the Knicks. Four and they went through a they went through a period where they won, I think, seventeen of eighteen, twenty three of twenty five, maybe. Um, but they did it when Darius Garland was out, and. And and Mitchell was the guy that we thought he was in Utah as a number one guy. Um, I always thought Donovan Mitchell was a point guard because you don't need to be a pure point guard to be a point guard in the NBA. You need to have that expect your ability to score, to distribute, to make plays, not run plays. And I always thought the Jazz were better when Donovan Mitchell was there when their traditional point guards were out and he was playing as, you know, the, the fill-in point. I just think we've seen that with the Cavs. Um, they've been really, really impressive and everybody talks about why they can't win this year because of what the Knicks did to them last year. But I think we need a little, we need to give them a little bit of credit and say they've learned a lot from that and they've gone and gotten better. Um, <clears throat> go back a little bit further when LeBron left. I mean, how many years is that now? But they were the Cleveland Cavaliers were a wasteland. Nobody saw them even getting back close to where they are now. So I just think they've been a really good story. They're, they're a team that snuck under the radar. It's another small market in a year where all the small market, not all the small market, but the small market teams are being becoming very successful. Boston are the clear number one seed in the East, and they will be. And they're, they're clearly the team to beat. But outside of them, Cleveland sit right there with, I mean, shit, are we crossing Milwaukee off yet? But They need to turn stuff around very quickly. And they, but, 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 but Cleveland are right. They're a contender in the yep. East. Is there anything that you took away from the NBA trade deadline? Which team stood out to you as the Knicks. they got... Yep. The, the Knicks. I, I mean, I just think I'm biased. I like my, everybody, everybody knows I'm biased to the Knicks because of Liam. But the long game that he's played with this club, they just need everyone on the court now. And they're one superstar away from being a perennial championship contender. And we thought it was going to be Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns. Or Giannis, and then everybody became happy all of a sudden. You know, what if Giannis isn't? You know, the, the talk this week is around the Warriors, the gold, you know, the Warriors' absolute dream scenario being Giannis. I think it might be the Knicks as well. You know, and they've got Randall and a bunch of draft picks to, to trade. It, it might be them. <clears throat> so I, I think they were the winner. It was, a, it was an uneventful trade deadline, but... But I got to thinking, and, and here's one 
that I'll throw at you without much notice. I was trying to figure out how many inverted commas number one guys are in the NBA that can win a championship. So, yeah. That can win a championship. How many number one guys are there in the league on a potential championship winning team? And then, and then I got to thinking there are some teams who might have two. So the, the mathematics in my brain says, well, clearly there are 20, 25 teams maybe that are no chance any given year. So here's my list, and I wrote this down. And, and, and I guess the, the, case, I mean, the reason I did this was as people look in a trade, if you don't have one of these guys and you've got somebody, I mean, what are you trying to do at the trade? Are you trying to win or are you trying to position yourself to get a number one guy at some stage? So in the East, I've got five guys who I think are number one with a bunch of question marks. Here, here are my locks. Giannis is a number one guy who can win, who can win a championship. Embiid's a number one guy. Tatum's a number one guy. And Jimmy Butler's a number one guy. That's four guys. Now, the question marks I've got are Lillard, Brunson, but I still think he's – and I think when the Knicks signed Brunson in their heart of hearts, they knew he was a number two or a three guy. And I think Brunson knew the same thing. Donovan Mitchell, Tyrese Halliburton, and uh, Trey Young. Let's put Trey Young in there. All right, no, let no, me dissect no, this wait, one. Wait, 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 wait. Before you get to the West. No, no, but I'm not going to the West yet. I'm, I'm, I'm going to ask you to dissect the East. But okay. but with the Trey Young, because that's where you jumped in, it still takes an exceptional talent to get to the conference finals of the East with not a great team behind you. And I just think if you supported him with a really – with a team built like the, what the Knicks has been built over the last two or three years, he could be, and that's why his question marks there. But that's nine guys in the East who I think could be a number one guy in a championship winning team. And, uh, go. Dissect away. Giannis is, yes, he's a number one guy because he's proven it already. Damian Lillard is not a number one guy. He's been a number one guy for a team, but he's never won a championship and he couldn't do it in Portland and had to go to Milwaukee to chase that ring for this ring culture. And so, it's gone the other way. Yeah. But, so, but, do you, hang on, but do you think he's got the talent to be that number one no. guy if, if an organisation put the right team around him? Multifaceted question. I I would argue that um, is he talented? No doubt about it. Um, Has he got the talent around him now that should, like only time will tell, but as it stands right now, like he's on the best team he's ever been on right now. And they're they're going backwards at the moment. So so that's a a time will tell. So let me interject with this one to Mm -hmm. get – if you're a general manager or head of basketball of an NBA team right now, mm-hmm. or actually two weeks ago, end of the trade deadline, and you had the opportunity for the exact same return to get Trey Young or Damian Lillard, who would you trade for? 
I'd trade for Damian Lillard. And but I, right. I I look at them as both the same. To tell you the truth, Lillard's got a bit more height. They both shoot. They both can pass. They both don't play defense at a championship living level. So we'll, so, 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 we'll just cross. Uh, young there, there, out. There, there are so many levels to this because mm-hmm. there was a little sneaky rumor I heard about putting Trey Young at the San Antonio Spurs with Victor Wenbanyama protecting the ring behind him. In any world, does that work? For a championship? No. They'd Even in three years' need, time? They'd need more time. They'd need more people around than that. Yeah, you got three years to do it. Yeah, I'm still Still no? Yeah. Okay. You, you, we're putting a lot on Victor Webb and Yama to, and he's an extraordinary, sure, talent. He's an extraordinary get, talent, but we're not there. Uh, go ahead. And, so you got Jarnas. Uh, yeah, Embiid, I believe, is a number one guy. Like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Tatum, he is a number one guy, but he too has had a lot of good players around him. Arguably, this is the best opportunity right now sure. for him to win a championship because they brought in a guard that defends. Um, and Drew Holiday, they've got rim protection in Porzingis. Like, it's an upgrade from Al Horford. Al Horford coming off the bench for them is a good. Uh, thing for Boston. And they've got Derek White, who I think is the most underrated player in all the NBA. Um, but isn't this the same conversation with the other two? You put that type of team around these other two. That's why I'm not I'm not 100% sold on Tatum being... Right. He's the number one guy currently. Because Tatum Boston. to me always seemed clunky. I, like, I, I totally agree. So I'm not saying that Tatum is right. the number one guy. I'm just saying this is his best opportunity but so far, I've got Giannis and I've got Embiid. Um, Jimmy Butler has not won a championship, but has proven that he is a number one guy. But he has proven he's a number one guy when it matters the most. Not in a regular season. He just needs his team to get into the playoffs. So anytime that Jimmy Butler and the Miami Heat are in a playoff situation, I would say the other team shits themselves just I quietly. Agree. So Brunson, not there yet. Donovan Mitchell, don't think he's there yet. Halliburton, gotcha. not there yet. No. Okay. I don't. I don't. Well, we've seen Donovan Mitchell shit the bed when he was in Utah when they had their best uh, best uh, win-loss record of the season and then go out very quickly in Utah. So yeah, too, I would argue too, that... He's two years older. Yeah, I would suggest that... Giannis, Embiid, and Butler are your true number one guys in the East. Now to the West, go. Yeah, Giannis, Embiid, Butler. Okay. Um, does that mean you're saying the Celtics can't win the championship? Well, there's a chance that they don't win it. But, uh, they haven't won it under Tatum with Tatum. And no, no, no. But, um, just before we get to the West, mm-hmm. you've got a team that's four games clear in the East. And, and Jason Tatum's their number one guy. They can't I win fully, it. I fully expect them to come out of the East. I'm not convinced that they'll win it all. Okay. All right. Uh, the West. And the list is a little bit longer. Uh, let's go yes or no. Let, let's shorten this a little bit. Let's go yes or no. Yep. Nikola Jokic. Yes. Here's an interesting one for you. Jamal Murray. No. Can he be a number one guy? You don't think so? 
No. I see. I, I actually like Jamal Murray a lot more. I like him there. a lot. Don't get me wrong. I'm not hating on these guys, but no, 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 no I'm not he, hating on either. He's, he's he's a very good player, but Jokic makes him look like a very good player at the same time. I think Jokic okay. has that ability to make players. It, like if Murray was to leave, yep. I'd be super interested to see how effective he becomes on another. Right. Team. So, so would I, to be honest. Yeah. I'd to be real. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Up and coming. I, I, I think, yes. If, if it falls projecting long-term, I think he's good enough as a number one player. He would be the best long-term projection for a number one player, as well as Vic, if we're going projected number one guys in the future. And I, haven't got, I haven't even got Vic on this list, but uh, Anthony Edwards. No. See, I, I agree. I, I yeah, I just agree. I, I just think there are too many things he can't do. He's a great athlete. He's got a lot around him. I'm, I've, I've still got on the bottom of another page somewhere your prediction that the Minnesota Timberwolves be incredible this regular season and shit the bed. And I'm really, really interested to see if that comes true. Um, Luka Doncic. Yes. Can he be the number? Can he win a championship as a number one guy? I think he can. I think he's getting better and better. So do I. He, so he's another really, really interesting one that goes back to my point of can you have two guys, Kyrie Irving? No, he was always number two to LeBron. Couldn't be a number one guy in a championship team? No. Okay. Paul George? No. Kawhi Leonard? Well, Kawhi has to be, yes, because he's done yes, it. Yes, he's done it. Right. Uh, Kevin Durant? Yes. Has to be, right? Yep. Uh, another really interesting one, and I've got this guy as a yes. Devin Booker? No. Why? Well, when he was the number one guy not that long ago. How many, years, how, many, how many years ago? What? Two years Three? ago? Three years ago. And how old is he now? 25? 26? Yeah. What is he? Yeah. There's, a lot of, there's a lot of maturity in those years. There is, but if you're asking me, can he be the number one guy? He hasn't done it yet. He's been the number one guy on a really bad team when he was the number one guy. Maybe give him some time, but at the moment, it's a no. So I'm assuming a couple of no's here. Uh, Ingram. No. Pelicans. Zion Williamson. No. So I think a strong no for Zion. De'Aaron Fox. Nope. Anthony Davis. I, re- I, I really like Fox, by the way, but it's... Oh, so do I. Anthony Davis? No. LeBron? Yes. No, no hang on. Now. Not now. If Not LeBron's now. your number one guy now... No, let's no. take... And, and we should have done this when we said Kawhi Leonard, so we should probably revisit Kawhi. Yeah. LeBron James has clearly been the number one guy mm. and won championship, so yes. Today, LeBron's no. got to be a no. no. Is Kawhi is Kawhi a yes or a no today? I think he's a yes. The way he's playing, as we described before. Yeah, I'd I'd still probably have him as a yes, but it's been off the back of a good thirty games. Like he's shown us that he can be the best player in the league again. Right, I agree. I don't Steph think Curry. LeBron. I don't oh, believe LeBron at any stage this year has showed us that he's the best player in the league. No, I think Anthony Davis is their most important player right now. 
Uh, Steph Curry. Yes. Got to be, yes, right. So what we've essentially said is there are three people in the East, three players in the East, and one, two, three, five, four. Five, maybe six. Five. So, there, so there, let, let's, up, let's round up to ten. So at any given time, oh, hang on, Vic Wenbanyama. Or is there anyone on? Is there anyone that I've missed on that list? No. And we in the next three, in the, in the in the next three, let's say three years. I don't think we. I don't think Vic can be the number one guy in the next three years. I think he oh, can hey. be very talented and very special, but he can't be the number one guy. He can be a number one guy, but they won't win a championship. Correct. Um, so, so it's really interesting with all of the podcasts and all of the media and all of the television. There are ten guys right now in the NBA in a thirty-team league that you can narrow this thing down to and say we're going to pick the championship winner based on these ten guys, and and probably four of them are aging. Yeah. So you're down to six. Uh, is is that where we sit with the NBA? I think so. I, I think it's pretty. I mean, we saw something incredible by Miami. Was it last season when they came from seventh? Yeah. Um, it's been a while since we've seen something like that, right? To make it to a championship game. The Lakers nearly did it at the yeah. same time. Pretty much. Can I say we know we know what it's going to be. Yeah. Um, um, I've got. You go ahead. But, I mean, we've ticked over an hour. Last point, last thing I want to bring up. No, let's get let's let's make this a long one. This is going to be fun. We got more um, to talk about here. Uh, I know we do, but Isaiah Stewart got arrested oh, no. for punching Drew Eubanks in the back but, of the head in the but, tunnel before the game even started. But, and he's not you, but you remember the chat we had, however many weeks ago it was, where we talked about exactly this. And it was on the back of the, the hockey player in Canada raising his skate up yep. and being charged with manslaughter. And we talked about the AFL and hitting players behind the plate. It's not only the AFL's responsibility, the, the governing body. It's the player who hits them behind the plays' responsibility. And we talked about Jason Akermanis carrying taking a camera crew around when he went to play for these regional games to make sure that if anyone did do something behind the plate, it was recorded. Um, I like this because, I mean, there's not this magical boundary around an NBA court that allows you to break the law. There's just not, or, or any sporting arena. If, if there's something that happens outside what's reasonably expected to be a sporting play in in common language now, we call them coward punches. Let's call it that. You should be arrested or just, sorry, you should be charged. And I'm kind of glad that this happened. Apparently Drew Eubanks took it like a champ. I'm lo really looking forward to the, the vision, but my initial thought was exactly the same thing, how we'd spoken about this just not that long ago. And for there to be an example, um, Isaiah Stewart is fucking crazy. Um, we saw that when he chased LeBron after getting a bloody lip from LeBron one time. Yeah. Um, but they just he's just an absolute mental case. Mate, um, 
going to wrap up on the NBL awards just to get oh, people caught more. up. Okay, okay, we're live. Dean, okay. Um, Did Bryce Cotton win MVP? Dean, Dean Vickerman, coach of the year. So any shocks? Should. Any no. shocks there? I and, think, and, and, and what I will say is that it, I get the Justin Tatum conversation. Who's who was the third coach that made the list? So, and, it, and it wasn't Scott Roth. Um, I, I think I it was John Riley. Really, it was John Riley. So this, what John really improved from a situation he created. So I don't count that as being coach of the year. I, I give him a lot of credit for what he was able to do and to coach his way out of a bad position. That doesn't make you coach of the year. Um, Dean Vickerman, and, and I don't. I also don't buy into. Let's evaluate the roster. Um, the consistency of performance, the consistency of effort, the, the injuries, all those sort of things to finish that far ahead. But so, yes, Dean Bickman, I think, should have won it. Scott Roth, I think, should have been second. Um, the one award out of all of these awards that should not be awarded today is Coach of the Year. It should be awarded to... Sorry. And I don't want to say the championship coach. It should be awarded after the playoffs because that's when the coach – there's so many – there are so many decisions made now and over the last month that affect game-to-game results that as a basketball public we look and go, geez, the Perth Wildcats were bad against Tasmania. Or, geez, Melbourne United lost in Cairns, but they were down 20. It's not the coaching on game night. It's a preparation to give them the best chance possible to win a championship. That's what coach of the year should be, and this award should never be handed out until the grand final's been played. I couldn't agree with you more on that one. And as you might have alluded to, Bryce Cotton wins his fourth MVP. Um, it's... Uh... Yeah, he's now second, second, second behind or five Andrew. behind Andrew. Um, so yeah. he won in 2018, 2020, 2021, um, averaging and was the scoring champion this year of 23 minutes a game and got run into the floor every single game by John Rilly by playing over 38 minutes. So no surprises there with that. Um, a well-deserved MVP as well. And... Uh, it would have been interesting to have Anthony Lamb around all season and playing well because you could have made a case, I believe, that he he uh, was. Don't say it. Probably, Don't say it. I thought he was playing better than Bryce. Sorry. I'll say oh, it. sorry. I thought you were going to go coach of the year. Should have gone to Modi. Okay. No, no. no, no, you, no, no. Could have been. No, you, maybe. Yeah, you might be right. No. Hey, I want to go back to the. I want to go back to the coaching. I, I want before you go ahead. Is it even worth touching on the Doc Rivers coaching the All-Star game? And you said, and this is why I want to bring it up, is that the minute Doc Rivers was appointed coach, you almost vomited into your microphone. And as I wrote this note, there might have been another game since. He's been three, He's gone three and seven. So two things. A, Doc Rivers is a coach and running Milwaukee into wherever they end up this year. But B, how in the world does he coach the All-Star game? He's had more success coaching that team because they won that. But surely give it to someone who's at least coached. 
If there's a minimum games requirement to win an award for a player, put it in for the coaches too, for crying out Well, we touched on it earlier. You probably bigger staff from the Cavaliers should be coaching this game instead. Absol- gonna, absolutely, we, he should. Um, if Joe Mazzula wasn't eligible and... Um, yeah, I good on Trevor Gleason for being able to be an assistant coach in an All Star game. That's all I'll say. Yeah, and good sh- on him. And and shout out to my old uh, Metro State teammate Patrick Matumbo, who was an assistant coach with Coach uh, Detlef Shrimp in the Rising uh, Stars game. But mate, we've heard my thoughts on Doc Rivers as a coach. He's he's a shit coach. I think, coach. I, and, I think uh, you've been. He's he's proven it once again with the start of Warriors, and he's be. coming out and said. Oh, this has been a much more difficult than what it was. Well, when you make basketball difficult, yes, you're going to get difficult results, and that's what he does. He makes basketball difficult. Um, that's it, mate. Let's wrap it up. No, it's been no, a no, no, fantastic... no. I've got more. No, I've got more. I've got more. Um, I'm not going to talk about that. I've got to no. I'm not going to talk about that. Um, I want to reach out and say that. Um, Let's just congratulate the Opals on qualifying for the Olympics. That was a harder task than what we probably thought it might. Um, Lauren Jackson retiring. Do we touch on that now or do we touch on that next week? I think we need to give this more airtime than just at the end of a podcast because we've got to give Lauren her flowers of what she okay, is well, able to do. And then and it, I, I feel wrong doing it at the end of a podcast when really this okay. should almost be a, a lead story for what she's been able to do. So so let's do that next week. But I, I want one more before people switch off. And it's not even basketball. I want your opinion on sport. So there's an enhanced games coming up. It's not the Olympics. It's not the World Championship. There's a couple of billionaires who've gone and put together an event where essentially we're not testing for anything. We're going to break world records. If you can break a world record, you've got a $1.5 million bonus. Now, James Magnuson, Australian swimmers, come in and said, yep, I'm in. I'm going to try to break 23, 24, whatever the seconds is. And he gets $1.5 million for doing that. Um, at what stage as a, as a sporting public and who want to consume sport, are we so invested in watching the best of the best as opposed to watching the best men, the best women, whoever it might be? But how much good or how much harm does an event like this do? Because I I, I still think you want to be the best of the best. When you put Olympic Games on a world champ, you think you're watching the best. I don't know. This one sits really uncomfortably, but at the same time, I feel like I'm going to watch it. Where do, where do you sit on this? So, um, coming back from the London Olympics, um, it was the first time I had an interaction with Magnuson on a plane. Now, if you've met a flog in your life, really. Times it by two, and that's probably James Magnuson. Really? Okay. And so when his name got attached to this straight away, it automatically made me switch off 
and I could not give more of a or less of a flying fuck about an individual doing something for his own self-ego. This has nothing to do with anything else but ego. And you know what? I hope he goes into the games and I hope he doesn't break the world record just because he's already made excuses. Oh, I need the fucking suit to make me float better and, you know, I, I need whatever it is. I could not give a flying fuck about James Magnuson. Um, I'm, so so that's, that's, I'm so glad I asked. So that is the human element to it. Uh, when you say you'll probably still watch it, you know what? If there's sport on, you know, any Australian is probably still going to watch it. But that I, I, guess said, my, I, guess, I guess my question is, does it dilute yes. what we're currently watching? And is that a problem? Yes, it does. Right. It does dilute that, That's it. my fear, right. I think that being said, there's so much in the sporting world that probably the casual fan has no idea about. Like, I don't think I'm dropping a bomb here when we know that drugs is an issue in sport. The masking agents have become better and better and there's people that get away with illegal drug use. Um, so to a degree, I feel like we're going to be watching very much similar to what we do already watch on our screens already. Um, now we're just promoting it, essentially. And there's so much to be said, depends on who you ask, of if performance-enhancing drugs is good for you, if it's bad for you, the long-term effects and all that sort of stuff. Look, there's people smarter than me that can make good decisions. If it doesn't hurt an individual, go for it. Do I like the concept of it? Eh, not really. And do I hate the person that's become the poster child of it? Absolutely. So that's where I've landed on it. Oh, I'm glad I asked. Were though always great to catch up. We got the all got the FIBA window coming up. We'll come back with the NBL playoffs. We'll come back after the NBA All Star Weekend. We'll pick it apart again. We'll talk about LJ. Uh, Let's get out of here. Everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, you'll hear from us next week. Thanks, guys. Knock, knock.